Hey guys, welcome to the Touchdown Table podcast. And before we even get into football, we just want to say we are all back together in the studio. We had some uh, difficulties with that earlier. We had a week where we didn't do the podcast. We were all back here in studio. The quality should be good. We're all here. It's going to be a great time. So Tyler, tell us what we're starting off with. All right, well, we're going to start off with some NFL news and then some updates that we got to do. Um, so let's start with the news right now, and we'll get into college football stuff later. Uh, but let's start with the news, as I said. Uh, why not start right off the bat with um, Lions head coach uh, Matt Patricia being gone, as well as their GM, Bob Quinn? Yes. Yes. Uh, so what are you guys' thoughts on that? Um, you know, that's an interesting one, and it's something that a lot of Lions fans, I feel like, have been calling for for a while. I think a lot of people did not like Matt Patricia or their GM. I don't think their GM did a an awful job. I think he did all right. They were definitely picking up towards the top of drafts. And I think this team is young, and that's that's kind of the frustrating thing that if you're Bob Quinn or you're Matt Patricia, you got this young team, and now that this team is young, you're no longer there uh, you know, to lead these guys, and that's got to be frustrating to to get fired at that point when this team is young and it's looking up. But honestly, with me, I don't think this is a move that necessarily needs to be, to be made. I think that Matt Patricia is having a decent season with this team uh, so far. And this Lions team has they stunk for a while. And these Lions fans, you do have to feel bad for them. You want your team to be good. And it's just not working right now. But I do feel like he had this team going in the right direction. And there were points in this season where I know Ryan said it and stuff as me and Tyler are Bears fans. Brandon over here, you'll hear him in a second. He's a Packers fan. Uh, this is all NFC North stuff we're talking about right now with the Lions. Ryan asked the question, are the Lions scaring you right now to win this division early? That was a little bit ago. Let's, was. Let's, let's be clear. <laughs> it was. And they still have a playoff down, shot, yeah. by the way. They're not completely out of it. But um, there was a, sh- a point in the season where this team was looking good. I think that if they had Kendi Galladay back, they would be playing a lot better. They've lost some defensive parts as well. Jeff Okuda has been in and out. So I really think this team is going in an upwards direction. It just kind of sucks for Matt Patricia and Mr. Bob Quinn to get fired. Well, I mean, you were saying they had this team in the right direction. I mean, if you gave them like five more years, maybe they would have had a winning record at some point. But with, with them, yeah. I mean, it wasn't going the way they wanted to. I'm not sure what the record was for Matt Patricia while he was there. I know he had 13 but, wins. Because you know why? Because the donations coming into Deshaun Watson's charity were $13 donations Wait, for like, all 13 <laughs> wins. That was the tendency I noticed. Like 13, 36, it was bad. I don't think they tied four times. But, um, Not good. Matt Patricia was one of the best defensive minds we've seen in a while. Especially, was. Um, was. With, well, Patriots. He still is. He was with the Patriots uh, even more. And I think if he finds himself in the defensive coordinator position, he'll do great again. But when he, as, as head coach, clearly it didn't work out. Jim Caldwell before him got fired after a 9-7 and seven season. Yeah. Early. They, they'd and take they, that any day now. They gave a lot of slack to Matt Patricia. And it was just... Kind of a matter of time, in my opinion. I respect Matt Patricia. You know, I can model myself after him in some ways. But um, uh, I wish I could have a beard like that. <laughs> but uh, I just think it was it was time for him and Bob yeah. Quinn. Do you think he's going to go back to the Patriots ever? Uh, there's a chance. Okay. I mean, things can repeat itself. All right. Yeah. Things can also change. But no yeah. comment. I mean, like you said, the the whole defense. Oh, I. I never saw him as a head coach, to be honest. I always saw him as a defensive guy. He was defense. Well, obviously, he's a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that he was fit for the head coach role. He flourished in New England with being a defensive coordinator. But at the same time, you also got to look at the Lions for the last couple of years. Their whole defense has been revolving around the word suckage. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, it, he, he inherited a bad team. You had big play Slay and Damon Snacks Harrison, and that's yeah. all. And Zeke Ansah, and I think Indominus Sue when he first got there. But still, regardless, that team was not very good. The offense was still getting there. They, I don't think they had Kenny Galladay yet. And uh, yeah, no, I, it, I didn't think it was a good fit from the start, from the get go. But uh, you would expect some improvement, and I'm honestly not surprised that he was fired. Yeah. yeah so this kind of leads into a different question. It's not something we have written down. It's something that I thought of. Brandon was talking about the defensive head coach. Uh, right now, defensive head coach are not really flourishing <clears throat> as well. Uh, you just said the general manager. Um, oh, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan Quinn is gone. Right now, with the Broncos, they have a defensive head coach in Vic Fangio. I know there's a lot of problems with that team, but yes, it's a defensive head coach. So, 
now we're turning to a point where a lot of head coaches are being more offensive-minded. Guys, do you think that the defensive head coach in the NFL is a lost cause at this point, or do you think there is still hope and you can still uh, win Super Bowls off of having a defensive-minded head coach? I, I don't think it's a lost cause. It definitely is up for questions, but it's not like in the NFL now if you hire a guy like Vic Fangio, your team is going to be screwed for the next four or five years. You know, but what we're seeing now in the NFL, this has been talked about heavily, is an influx of offense. And if you don't keep up with that, your team might not be as good as other teams. And we're seeing teams like the Broncos and the Falcons and the Lions, who, with these defensive head coaches, um, still can't seem to catch up to the offense. So it's kind of, there's a trend going on right now, but there definitely is a way to catch up to it. For um, defensive-minded coaches, I just don't think we're at that point as the NFL is evolving so quickly. Yeah, and one thing I want to add, in that evolution process, you know, sometimes the offensive games are just a little bit, you know, further ahead defensively. It sometimes takes the defensive minds a little bit to catch up to all the new things and all the new elite offenses that we're seeing. And, you know, they'll catch up. So I agree with Tyler. I don't think it's a lost cause. I still think, you know interview all different types of guys, find the guy that you think is going to work best for your franchise. And if that's a defensive guy, great. If that's an offensive guy, great. If that's a guy that's equal, equally as familiar with both sides of the ball, that's great. I don't think you should rule anyone out, especially when you're coming off of you know a uh, misfire on the Matt Patricia hire. But we'll see what they do. Will they go defensive? Will they look at Robert Sala from San Francisco or try to get the enemy from Kansas City? They can go a number of different, different routes, uh, I, th- I think, Detroit can. So I'm eager to watch that uh, opening to see, do they try the defensive thing again or do they switch Sala it Sala off his contract this year? I'm not sure, but I still think that he'll definitely get some interviews. Um, he could, yeah, um, he should get interviews, and he will get interviews. So he doesn't. He's not but signed if, right now. I mean, you can just leave. Signed. I'm pretty sure if you want to, like yeah. if, if you're on contract, he should just leave. But like, yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that works. But he could leave right now if he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, uh, the defensive head coach isn't dead, and I think one example is pretty good, and I think that's Brian Flores. Yes, he was, very good. Because he was a defensive-minded coach, and when he went to Miami, like people gave him a lot of crap. <laughs> um, nice catch. <laughs> people gave him a lot of crap for that. and He didn't have the best start. He didn't have the best team, to be honest. They pulled it together. I think they won their final four games. And then they, they played well. And, hey, they beat New England week 17 last year, cost them a first-round bye. Exactly. Yeah. So, I'm not saying Lost that... the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that defensive-minded head coaches aren't a bad thing, but like Tyler said, that there's a big influx of offense in this league, and I feel like you have to have a good balance of both offense and defense to be able to win games. Defense more than offense. I mean, just look at the 49ers last year. Exactly. They had a really good running attack, but well, Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't really throw a ball, so it's okay, but, um, and they had a stellar defense, and they got got to the Super Bowl, and yeah. And that's what got them there, for sure. Exactly. So So I think the thing I'm hearing all around is it doesn't matter what kind of minded head coach you have. It just matters of what you do with your personnel. We talk about San Francisco, what they had to do last year. They have Kyle Shannon, who's an offensive-minded coach, but they also have Robert Salah doing some great stuff on the defensive. Uh, on, oh, why are you guys laughing? I don't know why. Well, I, I'm uh, pretty sure it's Salah. Yeah, yeah, Salah. Salah. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Salah doing some good stuff with, with the defense last year, but you also have Kyle Shanahan figuring out that offense. So I think – it. I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to say. If you're going to have a defensive-minded head coach, I'd say that you have to have a pretty good offensive coordinator and the other way around. If you have a good, if you have an offensive-minded head coach, you have to have a good defensive coordinator. I think that's kind of how it has to work, um, and I think that's going to be a formula going into the future for sure. With that being said, let's move on to our next uh, topic. And Tyler, I know you think that this is funny, so I'm just going to let you say it. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I didn't get any giggles out of this. but Oh. I don't know which what you're referring to there. Um, oh, okay. We'll move on to that. I was going to talk about something else first. We'll go back to it, though. Uh, I wrote down in the description for what we're talking about as what the Falcons, because <laughs> I know I almost got you guys there, but I just thought that was a funny way of saying it because the Falcons, they did what a lot of times we thought that personnel for the Falcons should be able to do, especially on offense. Defensively, it was field very shocking. I mean, if you're putting up 43 points, I don't care how you're getting it. Yeah. They looked really good in that game. Spread the ball around. Not too many yards. Like you said, a lot of field goals. Uh, Young Hoiku was very busy. Yeah, isn't he the leading scorer? Scorer. Scorer. Yeah. Scorer. Yeah. Um, yes, he, he is. is now, for sure. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but, yeah, that's that was some balance that we saw from an NFL team, and that formula um, resulted in success. Yeah, and 
the thing with this, you have to give the Falcons their credit, but the thing that really surprised me in this game was the Raiders, because especially coming off the way that they have been playing, just playing on Sunday night and staying in another close game with the Chiefs. Remember, they beat the Chiefs early in the season, handed them their only loss of the season so far. Otherwise, they'd be right next to uh, Pittsburgh and having no losses and being undefeated. Uh, but that really shocked me how this team was so good on Sunday night, having so good prior, and then they put up three points against a Falcons defense that's really not that good. You expect that game to be a lot closer. Closer, Ryan, you actually picked the Falcons to win this I game, did. but you told me that even if, when you picked the Falcons, you still were absolutely shocked yeah. by the score. Yeah, I thought it'd be like maybe a one-score game, but I think with the Falcons, it's the same thing. It's They start off horribly. There's always the Dan Quinn talk, and this year it finally came to fruition as he did uh, get fired, but now just when they've Probably. I'll say probably they're not mathematically eliminated yet. Who knows? Once they've probably dug into a hole too deep to climb out of, then they start playing well, and then they be the team that everyone thinks that they should be from the get-go. And, you know, while we're talking about, you know, the Falcons here, I want to bring up a, a question. Does Raheem Morris have a case to become the permanent head coach if they keep uh, playing well and win some games like this? Um, That's a good question, and I think that, that he does kind of have somewhat of a case. I think it's the same way with you, Ryan. You're a Texan fan with Romeo Cornell. These guys step in here, and who knows, maybe it's just their players playing better. Maybe it's the coaching. It's hard to tell unless you're inside that that team. But uh, I think that for all these interim coaches stepping in and doing some good jobs, I think that they have a good case to stay. We saw it uh, with Cleveland, their interim uh, head coach stepped up. I think it was Greg Williams. Yeah, they and did then, well under him. You know, they, they were playing well. Baker Mayfield, it was Baker Mayfield that year, right? Yeah, uh, I think that was his rookie year. And they were playing some better football. This team was looking in an upward direction. And then they went to a new head coach. Who was it? I forgot who it was already. Who who is the who the Browns hire after that? After who? After Greg Williams. Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, well, that was not directly after, was it? Yeah. Was oh, it? you're talking about Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. Freddie Kitchens, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They have so many head coaches, we can't even remember them all yeah, off exactly. the top of our heads. That's Same sad. Thing with quarterbacks. So yeah. I think that Greg Williams had more of a case to stay than Freddie Kitchens was brought in. He didn't really do much, and they, as you know, by this year they switched to Kevin Stefanski now. Uh, we don't have the Browns written down, but that's a different topic that we all have different opinions on, I think. Yeah, uh, but, for sure. But, yeah, I think they do have a case. I think Raheem Morris has a case to stay, as I think that Romeo Cornell has a case to stay. Brandon, what do you think about uh, Raheem Morris? Uh, yeah. Kind of off guard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of wasn't really paying attention because yeah. I was just looking on. Uh, what are you looking at? Oh, okay. should we talk about it? Sure. We're, we're talking about the Browns. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, so I'm not from the Falcons. We're talking about the Browns. <laughs> Honestly, now carried away. Yeah, what happened? So, um, uh, apparently CBS has listed the Browns as a top landing destination for newly released wide receiver Kenny Stills. Oh, yeah. Stills has been injured a majority of the season, but is a known deep threat, which is what the Browns need for an OBJ less offense. Yeah, so what do you transition to the next thing that we talk about? What do you guys think about that possibility? Uh, I think it'd be great for both. Kenny and for Cleveland, because obviously with Cleveland, the OBJ injury left them, uh, I don't want to say depleted, because they do have some really good players still at the receiver position. Jarvis Landry uh, has stepped up into the wide receiver number one role nicely, but I think Kenny Stills is still a solid veteran player. I think part of the reason the Texans released him, I think it was a mutual thing. He was respected in the locker room. It was just, he wasn't just getting the playing time he deserved, in my opinion, and I'm sure they at least looked at trading him at the trade deadline, didn't get an offer. Um, that they felt was, you know, even worthwhile. So they said, you know, we'll release him, let him go play for a team that's looking like they're going to contend for the playoffs. So, you know, I, I want Kenny Stills to sign with a contender, and I think Cleveland would be a great place for him. I think I might have floated that around as a possible trade idea, um, just discussing that, because um, Cleveland is a team that, um, record-wise, they are very much in it. They're 8-3 and three currently in the five seed. So I think that'd be a great destination. And I, I'd be happy for Kenny Stills, because I like him as a player, but I don't think he was getting the playing time he deserved in Houston. I mean, I'm sure we could use him back now because of something that we'll talk about later in the podcast. But anyway, I think that uh, Stills to the Browns uh, is a high possibility. And I mean, if you said CBS said that was the front runner, I wouldn't be by the time, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in a couple days, you know, maybe by the Browns, that well, he can't be there for the next game because of COVID stuff. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's a Cleveland Brown very soon. That's my prediction. And like I said, this is kind of a good transition. And we got it from um, Ryan the Texans fan, so he knows a lot about Kenny Stills. It was a good transition into what's going on with the Texans right now because they released Kenny Stills just days, right? Days? Was it days or weeks before? Days. Days? Days yeah. before. He just cleared waivers. Will yeah. Fuller V, to be, to be specific. Yeah. Um, and Bradley Roby both are out now 
um, with PED suspensions. Are they both six games? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that was huge, and that took a hit on a team that looked like they could maybe possibly go on some sort of run. Yeah, and Ryan, you're the Texans fan, so I'll let you give everyone the insider on what's going on with, with uh, the suspension. Okay. Well, uh, well, actually, no, first tell them the story about how I found out about Fuller. Then I'll get into what yeah. I'm um, So, you know, I don't think Randy even knows the story. So we're making our picks video for this week uh, on on YouTube. If, you don't, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, definitely go over onto YouTube Channel's and subscribe fun. to that. And uh, watch watch this the picks video for this week if you're interested in that. But towards the end of that video, it was getting uh, it was becoming a really long video. And so I looked down at my phone and there's a notification that oh gosh, Will Fuller is suspended. And I tell Ryan, uh, Ryan Will Fuller is suspended. And he he didn't believe me. Like I said, go back and watch it the video. It was so it's right. You said it so casually too. Yeah. On the Dave's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so he didn't believe me. I had to show him my phone. He looked it up and. We went, we went through a live um, breakdown of, of Ryan's feelings as a Texans fan. So yeah. if you want to check that out, I think it's pretty interesting. The end of that video was really fun. So yeah. if you want to have 10 minutes of weird entertainment from the touchdown table, go check that out. Yeah, you can probably get that from a lot of different videos too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So now just to fill you guys in with that. So the Fuller news came first. Then it was later that night. It was reported that uh, Bradley Roby also had, um, you know, the same suspension, six games. So out for the rest of the year and week one of next year or out for the rest of the regular season. <laughs> That's a big order. And right the, especially now. but Or if they somehow do make the playoffs, they will miss the wild card round. Um, but, yeah, Will Fuller, um, he posted an apology. He said, I'm not going to paraphrase it, he said he sought treatment from a medical professional who get, prescribed him something that, he be- that the professional believed was under the um, – you know, the guidelines that it was okay, to, it wasn't a violation of anything, but he said, Fuller said that his trust in this professional was misplaced, that it turns out that this was a violation, and as a result, he's going to be suspended, but he'll be back better in 2021 on which team, you know, we'll find out. But, um, I mean, you have some sympathy, because if this was something prescribed, then you understand that. I think that was the case for Roby as well. But at the end of the day, you know, players are responsible for knowing who they get their medications from, where, and at the end of the day, they're the ones that are choosing what goes in and out of their body. They are the ones responsible for, um, really, they're the ones that are responsible at the end of the day, and I feel like both of these men take responsibility. I mean, this is an excuse that's probably used a lot, so, I mean, it's up to you if you actually believe this is genuine or not. I mean, I'd like to. I don't think that, you know, Fuller's lying. I don't think Roby's lying, but, I mean, we don't know because this is an excuse. We always hear the, the unknowingly is a word a lot. So I think both of them use that. So, I mean, we don't know how will this affect um, Fuller's free agency stock. Well, has he played his last game as a Texan? Has he not? Uh, a lot of questions going around in what's really been a turbulent year for us Texans fans. So, I mean, really, I mean, first week of 2020 was when we beat the Bills in the playoff game, but it has just gone downhill, and I think we're still going down. But... <laughs> We'll see. Uh, yeah, it's obviously frustrating because Fuller was just starting to show, you know, his full potential. But now all of a sudden, there's so much uncertainty. Will he get paid the same? Will he be a Texan? Will he ever be that consistent again? We'll see. So now I'll open it up to what you guys think about it. Yeah, it's absolutely frustrating, and especially coming off of that Thanksgiving game where he went off. Uh, he had a, a good game yeah. on Thanksgiving against the Lions, and he, as Ryan said, he had a good season. He's a Texans fan. He knows more than any of us, and it's got to be frustrating because. You lose a really good receiver, and you also lose a cornerback, which is not in Brent Bradley Roby, which is not a strong suit of the Texans team right now. Their secondary, I'm sure Ryan can tell you, is uh, pretty weak, and that's a point where it just got even weaker, and that's not going to be good. Yeah, it's, it might be painful to watch. Yeah. All right. So as if, as if it wasn't already. That's true. It's it's going to be more <laughs> painful to watch. Yeah. All right. Um, something painful to watch has also been the Jaguars this year, and their GM was fired recently dave caldwell so what are you guys thoughts on that uh well tyler you said it best so i'll, yeah. I'll let you go uh i said in i think we were, i said it in my picks video when we were talking about the jaguars i'm not sure what firing your gm in the middle of the season does for your team uh, i don't know why you couldn't just wait the what five more weeks until yeah. your season's over because they're not going to the playoffs and yeah. just fire them then like if you want to change usually teams will fire their head coaches the GM change, or not even change, but firing at this point, doesn't make much sense to me, but I guess he was going to be gone anyway, so it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, what does it do right now? Yeah, it's but, not something that's going to have yeah. an infectious 
effect on the players and be like, uh oh, our GM was fine. Yeah, especially on the players. Like he's not right, on so the we field. We gotta play with better. Him. Like, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, I'm eager to see what direction the Jaguars go. I mean, I mean, we'll see where they're picking in the draft. Is it one? Is it two? Is it you know lower than that? I mean. Who knows what they'll do, but I'm eager to see. I mean, my guess is that Doug Marone will be out of there soon. I mean, there were rumors of him getting fired at the end of last year, but that fell through, and he, you know, survived another year in Jacksonville. I would think that the firing of Caldwell is probably a sign that Marone will go. I mean, I know they don't have a great team, but I kind of am getting that vibe. But maybe that the GM was like a precursor to the head coach kind of signaling a, you know, change in leadership approaching. Or maybe Marone stays, and I'm surprised. Who knows, but... I mean, they had that one good year in, you know, 2017-18 to 18 season where they, you know, went all the way to the AFC Championship mm-hmm. that some of us watched, and that was a really yep. good game. Uh, it really was. Really was a it was a great game. Really was a can't-miss game, and, uh, yeah, certainly an interesting one, to say the least. Uh, yeah, and something I wanted to mention as well, and I'm, I'm a, I know a lot about the NFL, and... Um, do you know? I, I do, actually, yeah. And, but... I, and I know a lot about the Jaguars as well. I just don't know about it, them as much as if I was a fan, but I still watch them and keep up with news with them. So maybe I'm missing some information, but I really don't think that Doug Caldwell had been doing too horrible. Doug, Doug Marone. Oh, what's you're his mi- name? You're mix- mixing up the... What did I say? Dave? Doug Caldwell. You mixed Doug Marone Dave? Dave Caldwell. Yeah. Dave? Okay. I was looking at your sheet, and I couldn't read your handwriting. That's why. Um, blame it on me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Uh, but I don't know how bad he's he really did. I think that their draft this year, I think, it was pretty good. Uh, James Robinson's doing some good stuff. They had Caleb well, Hunt, was who's stepping up. James yeah. Robinson was undrafted. Well, True, still, but still, that's still that's him. Yeah. I think that, and he he sent a lot of people out of there. I think that he was in the process of just beginning to rebuild his team. And I, like, I see. Okay, you that. just started doing this, and now uh, we're going to send you out, let somebody else do the stuff that you just started. I think that kind of ruins your plan as a team because this guy who's releasing people and signing people to build his plan, he wanted to build back better. And so, uh, and right now, and when you're bringing somebody else in during that transition point, it just it's going to be tough because there's one plan going into the future and there's going to be someone else's plan just coming in and cutting it right off uh, and trying to start their own plan. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes on there. Honestly, I think he was in the process of getting something going with this team. It looks like Trevor Lawrence might be going their way or the Jets' way. We'll see what, uh, how the Jets decide to draft. But uh, either way, I think that they're moving in some of a, a – they're definitely rebuilding and they're trying to trend upwards. And I think it kind of sucks for – Dave Caldwell, that he was fired at this point. Well, that's a good point, but you go. Oh, I was going to say, well, with the recent play of. Because Gardner Minshew. Is Gardner Minshew going to play this season? Like, I don't think so. Because, well, no. they went through Minshew, and then they went to uh, to Jake Luton, and then they went to yeah. uh, the giraffe Mike Lennon. So. Okay. Mike, I thought Mike Lennon was on the Raiders. No, he was last he's year. Been a, he's been a lot of places. Huh. Nathan well, Peterman's on the Raiders. Didn't he get into that game against the Falcons? I thought he did. Well, I just wanted to I just wanted to bring up the question. Based on uh, based on um the play of both quarterbacks, I'm not counting Mike Glennon because that man's a dinosaur. Um, no, he's a giraffe. 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 Yeah, okay. right. so what's that what's the stegosaurus? Yeah, the stegosaurus. No, wait. no. Oh, what's it called? The stegosaurus. No, the stegosaurus is the spiky one. Yeah. Bro- is it a bronchosaurus or something? Bronchosaurus. That's a bronchiosaurus. Bronchiosaurus. Right, Wait, that's that what a, Mike Glennon is a bronchiosaurus. <laughs> I'll look it up. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say, with seeing both quarterbacks, obviously Jake Luton being in his freshman year in the NFL. Like, freshman year. Yes, rookie year. Rookie year. <laughs> Whatever. Do you think that uh, he has a realistic shot of playing what, next year as a, maybe no. a starter? Not as no. a starter, but they might keep him on the roster. Just yeah. a guy if, to have. If the Jets... Or one, which I assume they will be, and they take Trevor Lawrence. I think that the Jaguars are going to the next best quarterback, whether they think it's Justin Fields, whatever, whoever they decide is number two on their draft board, whatever they want to do. I think that's what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to pick any other position but quarterback, unless they really have a different vision than me. Uh, but I think that if it's Lawrence, of course they're going to take him. If it's somebody else, uh, they'll go ahead and settle for them. Um, so I don't, I don't see either of those quarterbacks that we see playing this year. I don't see any of them playing next year unless there's an injury. Yeah, you're, you're probably right about that. And Josh Rosen to the Jaguars. Just <laughs> yes. He just got to get on the field with Tampa first. Yeah, yeah. He, does, he does have to get on the field. Yeah, and, and what's... Um, <laughs> I did not mean to do that. What's what's probably what got Dave Caldwell fired was the quarterback position, as you guys have been talking about. 
But just the last thing I want to say before I move on. It seems like he did have a vision. He was getting rid of players to get draft picks and starting to build something. But that vision um, was brutally killed by Jeez, uh, that fired Dave Caldwell. Uh, <laughs> and we will not see his vision come to fruition. We won't be seeing yeah. him again. Uh, <laughs> we might on different I don't teams. want to see how his vision died either because apparently it was brutally killed and we don't support violence here on the touchdown table. Of course we don't. We would never do that. All right, let's um, talk about some other NFL stuff. We've got two more topics in the NFL to talk about before we move to some college football. First, let's talk about uh, the Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. I, I guess you could say drama. It's like they seem like they're all right with each other, but just they're throwing shade at each other back and forth, it seems like. So is that an issue for the Buccaneers or no? Uh, well, I'm going to throw this one to Brandon because he's the one who really wants to talk about it. So uh, Brandon, Brady, and Arians, uh, they have some stuff going on between them uh maybe they'll tell you differently but what are your thoughts on it well i i saw earlier i don't know if it was on instagram or if it was on no i think it was first take um they showed a little snippet of bruce arians talking and it was just like oh yeah everyone made us the basic poster child for the super bowl and uh some other stuff like that which uh, which watching them down the stretch is not the case and i understand why tom brady's mad like he was promised a good team that they would play well, but they haven't really been playing up to par lately. And I feel like Bruce Arians is kind of almost taking his frustration out on his quarterback. Because let's be honest, Tom Brady struggled a little bit this season. Yeah, he is getting older, and it's 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 not easy to learn a brand new offense in a couple of weeks because not a lot of preparation in terms of like training camps, rookie camps, anything like that. So I I understand it. But at the same time, like you're so deep into the season, this it's unneeded, and it's it's just gonna kill the whole vibe of the team. So I that's something I think you should keep behind closed doors. Yeah, and this is this is something that I think most people around the Bucks and most people around the NFL would tell you is that well, first of all, the personnel on this team is phenomenal. The personnel is definitely a Super Bowl caliber group of men. Um, and, but the the problem is with this offense, it's between Bruce's Ar- Bruce Arians' offense, how he wants to run it, and how Tom Brady plays football. I think uh, maybe during the prime of Tom Brady's career, uh, maybe Bruce Arians' system would work for him. But Bruce Arians' system, he's a pass-heavy guy, and this is the really big one, is that he likes to pass the ball deep. Tom Brady is a guy that with, with the Patriots, he did not pass the ball uh, very deep too much. They had a lot of uh, check downs, and some people made fun of Tom Brady for that, but that's his type of offense, and he excelled in it. He won Super Bowls from it. So it's this rivalry between Bruce Arians' offense and and uh, Tom Brady's offense, and that's that's tough. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm looking at a picture here that I'm being shown. Uh, but it's this rivalry between those two guys. and it's You cannot just, say that word. <laughs> and it's just tough uh, for this team to figure out really who they are right now. Uh, as a Bears fan, I'm constantly hearing my team for the past two, three years now saying we need to figure out our identity, uh, and especially as an offense. And right now, this Bucks team, they need to figure out their identity. Are they going to run Bruce Arians' offense, or are they going to run Tom Brady's offense? I think they have to resort to running Tom Brady's offense, because this group of people is too good to be wasted. They have to get something going now, uh, and period. That's it. Yeah, and what I want to say about this situation is I'm not behind closed doors in Tampa right now. I'm not sure whether Bruce Arians and Tom Brady actually have a little bit of anger towards each Beef. other. A rivalry? A, l- a little bit of a rivalry, per se. It could even be a lopsided one, yeah. depending on how you think about it. Um, but, be. in my opinion, I don't think that's the case. I think Bruce Arians knows that in order to get Tom Brady to play well, you got to motivate him. If anyone watched the... Um, Last Dance documentary, you know that and Michael that Jordan person. was someone that needed to be motivated. He took <laughs> I know that meme, personally. I didn't even watch it. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how Tom Brady is. He's an ultimate competitor, and he, he sometimes hearing those things come out of Bruce Arians' mouth helps him play better, and I think that's what Bruce is trying to do, and Tom knows that. I think they've had conversations about it saying, you know, I'm just trying to motivate you. We brought you in here for a reason, and all this is kind of just being a bit overhyped. Yeah, I think it is being a bit overhyped. I think these two guys have a good relationship with each other. Just there's frustration going on in Tampa because, again, this is a team that has a phenomenal group of men. This is a team that so many people predicted to go to the Super Bowl and win that thing. And right now, they are struggling. Their record is still all right. They're still competing in the division. And, of course, they're still competing in the NFC. But 
I don't think that they're playing as good as their record is right now. And I think they need to play better. I think they need to incorporate more people into this group. Mike Evans has been doing good. When you see more of Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin really hasn't been playing too well recently. Yeah, let's go. um, Excuse the dog. Yeah, excuse the dog. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, I do like them in the backfield. That defense is, of course, very good, especially against the run. But it's just too talented to be wasted. You have to figure it out with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians right now. Yeah, and there's not even much time left with Tom Brady because I mean he'll he'll probably I don't think he'll retire after this year, but I think that uh you know I mean he he's 43, so if you want to get this Brady Arians thing to work, I mean you got to figure it out right now because I mean I know Tom Brady says he wants to play until 45, and I mean I love watching Tom Brady play. I think he's an awesome player, so I I hope he plays a while. I mean he's the greatest of all time. Why wouldn't you want to see him longer? Uh, but uh, maybe you disagree, and you could you could talk when I'm done. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say I might be on your side on this one. I I have a lot of respect for Tom Brady. I know there's the whole you know the hand. I know there's the whole you know handshake debacle, and obviously you know of course you should shake hands with your opponent. But overall career wide, I think he's been a fun player to watch in his playoff runs with New England, and who knows maybe there'll be another one in Tampa, but. They're fine, but like we need to stop acting like this team is the NFC favorite to go to the Super Bowl because I don't think anyone thinks that. I don't you know, think right now. I think. Well, yeah, but like in the, yeah. the broadcast, the Kansas City games, Tony's like, ah, Jim, you know, they'll be back here in in ten weeks. Tampa and Kansas City, don't you think? Like he he was acting like Tampa Bay was still the favorite. Tony Romo was acting like Tampa. A lot Bay. of people still like this team. No, I think they're a good I mean, team, but what let's stop acting like? like they're the best team in the NFC. They're no, not the best team. in the They division. need to get their bleep figured out right now. Uh, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so. I mean, they're in a position. They'll make the playoffs. I just don't think they're a Super Bowl. That quote sounded like something Bruce Arians would say. Yeah, it does sound like something. It's been a great, great ride. The, the actual well, they'd bleep it out. They'd, 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 they'd work, work it out. It out. Uh, but something we need to get into now, we got a 2v2 rivalry yes. right now uh, in at the <laughs> touchdown I, I, table I, I, right I'm now. All right. We'll we're, we're talking goat talk, and oh, we're talking boy. Tom Brady versus – they haven't said it yet, but I know what they're both thinking. Aaron Rodgers uh, being the goat. Um, me and Ryan are both on Tom Brady. You guys are both on Aaron Rodgers. So I'd like to give, let you guys give yeah. your point, I guess. The the commonality is that Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time. He's won six championships now. Yeah. Um, they went on a run in New England for 20 years straight. And he's got a lot of records, a lot of stats to back that up. Um, so very well um, has a very good career for him. And definitely right up there with the greatest players of all time. But if we're looking at talent-wise, and what I see is longevity from Aaron Rodgers throughout the rest of his career, I think he'll be able to play at least four more years, I believe. And I think he can be consistent. And you you look at um, what Aaron Rodgers has done in Green Bay, and you say, what could this guy have done in New England with Bill Belichick? And this dynasty built around Francisco. him. Oh, yeah. Or, yes, even that right now. But, you know, a system that has been better built to help him. Because for a long time, I think it's been Aaron Rodgers kind of leading the teams that um, he's been playing with two victories. When they won the Super Bowl, they had a great defense. And you saw that really all he needs is just a good defense and some wide receivers. And well, yeah, but work. they were – I think they were the eighth seed. So they were, they were underdogs. They were eight, yeah. or they were the – I'm thinking yeah. six. The eighth seed is not a thing. Well, it is a thing, but it's worthless. You won't get in <laughs> yeah, and I, I was I was thinking of the NBA. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. yeah. yeah at, at that, I think that year they were like uh, one game off of five hundred, and they went, they ran all the way away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, but basically, my point in saying all of that is, yeah, you could look at all the stuff and say, well, he's got five more rings than Rodgers does. How could you say Rodgers is better than him? Well, Eli Manning has two, two, and uh, two rings, and you're gonna tell me Dan Marino is. You know, you just he's better is worse than or yeah, worse than Eli Manning because of that that argument doesn't make sense. You look at it from a talent perspective, and I just think as talented as Tom Brady is, probably uh, going to be the greatest player of all time in many people's minds. I just get curious as to what Aaron Rodgers could have done in that position, and I think he's more talented. He's more mobile. He can uh, he's able right to now. do things. Yeah, well, throughout the rest of his entire career. Yeah. Aaron, Rogers Tom prob- Brady has a thousand rushing guards <laughs> in his career, okay? Well, yeah, well, Rodgers right. will probably play longer than Brady from this point on, for sure, I think. Yeah. Like, Brady will retire first. So yeah. He'll have some catch-up time. I think I think Rodgers could be the next guy to play until he's 40 at this pace. I mean, right I'd now, I think he's only it. been sacked 11 times this year, something near that. So, it's definitely close. I like these guys both a lot. I was never a Patriots hater during their dynasty. In fact, I supported I them. Yeah. Um, 
But I, these two players are both so talented, and I think it's time we stop looking at the trophies and the stats and the record and say, let's let's do the eye test kind of like in college football, okay. and really who has been consistently the best performing quarterback based on what they have, and say based on that. And to me, it's slightly Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry for the rant, but that's been something I've been containing for a while. Well, you mentioned something with Eli Manning. Uh, and it, it's a good point if you just hear hear it like that. But my neg- negate to that is that Eli Manning was carried to the Super Bowl by that defense. Tom Brady was never carried to anything. He was always working hard. That offense was always doing quite enough. And sure, they had some good defenses throughout their time of winning some games. But um, you know, they Tom Brady was still absolutely pulling his weight. Eli Manning for. That those Super Bowls, maybe he wasn't pulling his weight. Sure, he had a good, good playoffs. He was able to do enough to get his team to win. But I think Tom Brady was uh, the guy in New England for a long time. I think he did some great stuff. And they are certainly two different types of quarterbacks. Yes. That's why it could be it's so hard to, to compare, to compare yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Super Bowls, they definitely, you can't just throw it out like Tyler wants to do. They definitely are a factor. Yeah. Uh, if you're Not gonna, the only factor. Yeah. And you know, because well, it is a factor, but can I, I sorry to interrupt you. You can't overlook everything but, else. What do you think the result is if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the Patriots for the last 20 years? Is oh, it would be so much different. Is it better or is it worse for the Patriots? But I I that's, can't tell you that. That's the yeah, thing. I, I can't mean, that's weigh why that it's so, That's why it's so tough. Like These guys are so different and they've theory. been in different situations for their entire career. So it's tough to compare them. But all we know is that both these guys are all we two know of the best that, at what they've done. Yeah. We can uh, all agree every on that. Every football fan can agree on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just think that the thing that sets Tom Brady apart from guys like Aaron Rodgers, and you can throw other quarterbacks throughout time into the conversation as well as being the GOAT, the thing that really sets Tom Brady apart is ability to win games, to win Super Bowls, and just to be a champion, to have the dynasty that they've created in New England. Sure, it's been a help from the defense. Sure, Bill Belichick has had a uh, a lot of his has been a big part in that too. But the thing that sets him apart, and the thing that makes him the goat, is the Super Bowl wins, the championships, his clutch ability to get it done when it matters. Except for when you're playing the Titans and you throw two pick sixes, uh, and the Giants, the Super Bowl. and the Giants yeah. in the Super Bowl, that's also a nemesis as well. Uh, but I just think that's what sets him apart. That's why he's the goat. Yeah, like like I've said, it's so we could argue this for yeah. an hour long podcast if we wanted to. We didn't like, even get into receivers of, of yeah, both teams because they both. The pack, I could talk about that. We're, we're, guess, we're not gonna get into. Yeah, that. all I'm tobacco. gonna say, all I'm gonna say, Super Bowl team: Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Greg Jennings, James Jones. Uh, I think Richard Rogers, and then um, what's you know, that's Jermich- when, Jermichael Finley, and that's oh, when all those guys were basically in their prime as well. So I mean, well, it wasn't a bad crew. Well, Jordy was still young. Randall Cobb was still young. Greg Jones or Greg Jennings was the veteran. James Jones was the veteran. And you had good tight ends in Richard Rodgers. I think he was on the team, and Michael Finley. So yeah, I mean, th- this debate, I mean, and these two sides, I mean, we all have a lot of great points, I feel like. And, I mean, we won't know the definitive answer for a while on who's going to be the GOAT. Cause these I don't guys think there both, is a definitive answer. There might period, never be. Like, there might never be. And I mean, It's like that we, for all sports. It's like yeah. LeBron or Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, people it's, have, it's like, by, yes, like, I, I don't follow basketball, but I agree. But, I mean... People have biases, people have opinions, and that's okay. But I, I think that at the end of the day, I mean, these guys are still playing. So, like, you, you just, like, these guys aren't even done yet. So maybe this is an easier discussion to have when they both hung up their cleats and then we could compare everything. Well, and then, well you know, yeah. But, cool. yeah, when, when they've retired and when they, you know, it's all complete. We've got both their resumes out there to compare them and just – See what see see how they stack up. I mean, even then, it still might be a difficult debate. These are both players that I love watching. That I think, uh, as we all think, are two of the greatest to ever do what they do. Uh, I have a lot of respect for both of them, and I, like I said, I enjoy watching them both. I mean, will this debate ever be settled? Will no. someone pull away? I mean, we don't know. I mean, unless we'll Aaron Rodgers goes on a huge run right now, I don't think he's pulling away. Yeah, even in Tyler. Let, let's say, let's say the Packers win the Super Bowl this year, let's just say, and yeah. then Aaron Rodgers gets one more before he's retired, then would you say? Then it's very... Then it's a lot closer. It's a lot Absolutely. more. Into, I'd have to think about that. And this year with that, you know... I will say right now, Aaron Rodgers, 
Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Oh, right, right now. now, absolutely. Let's just agree right that now, Patrick absolutely. Mahomes will be the best quarterback of all time. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Ask that in mean, 20 years. A, we got more questions. It's a long way till yeah. his career is over. But yeah. uh, the way he started off, he's playing very well. You he's on pace to do that. All right, so let's move on uh, to the last NFL topic that was not planned to talk about. Uh, But let's talk about the Ravens-Steelers game, because as this podcast is posted, um, it'll be on the day uh, of the the game, hopefully, unless it gets canceled again. We got some some news. The uh, Who's away? The Ravens? Yeah, Yeah. the Ravens are away. Their flight has left. They are on their way to Pittsburgh, so... It uh, looks like the game is going to be played on Wednesday, and you yeah. might know already. You, you still don't know. Podcast, you, still uh, don't know. you still might not know. They yeah. still could try to postpone something. Maybe someone will get COVID. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that game, but it is a very important game in the AFC North. So let's run through the story of where this game has, journey that this game has taken. Yeah. So it was originally scheduled for Thursday on NBC to be the night game. I believe Alan Chris would have been on the call for Thanksgiving that. Thanksgiving night. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, you know, after your dinner, you could just sit on your couch and watch the AFC yeah, North fat. intense matchup. Yeah. Um, maybe fall asleep with all the food you ate. the house. Exactly. Um, that's when it was originally scheduled for. And the it's Steelers were excited pie. for this game, not only because it was a yeah. Thanksgiving game, but this, I believe this was their first night game of the year. No, uh, didn't they play on Monday night? Against yeah, the Giants? Yeah. So, yeah, second night game. So, I guess first one since really people have started to doubt them and say, like, this team. Yeah. You know, like, they started to prove themselves. People still are doubting them. But they this was their chance to prove to everyone that, hey, we're really good Thanksgiving. You know, everyone will be watching. And then it got to be delayed because of COVID. So they moved to Sunday, and they are going to play at, like, 12.05 or something. I don't know what time it was at. Maybe a minute before that or something. But um, then, anyways, then they moved it from Sunday to Monday, and they're like, okay, we'll just put it at the second Monday night game, and then another, more COVID stuff, and then they said, let's move it to Tuesday, yeah. because we should be able to play it on Tuesday, and then I was like, okay, well, that's fine, we already had a Tuesday game, and they're like, nope, let's move it to Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can see the story is just so incredible, that makes me voice crack, yeah. uh, but here we are, as we're talking about this, the game is scheduled for Wednesday at 2.50 Central Time. Uh, three fifty. No, it's time. it's three forty Eastern time. Sorry, three forty Eastern, <laughs> but yeah. two forty Central. The three forty Eastern time where the game is being played. Yeah. Um, and something else to talk about with this before we get into the actual game. If you're on the Steelers, you're frustrated, and you Steelers. saw it from their wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool, both tweeted stuff out about how they're frustrated about this because their team be. has got hit hard with COVID, and they ha- they haven't been the ones who are getting COVID. It's been the other teams. Well, they the- have COVID now. Well, they, yeah, yeah. But with the, with the Titans, that that game had to get rescheduled. They lost their bye week. Their schedule just had to get changed up a little bit. That's not easy for a team. And then right now, this game is getting delayed and postponed, and that's just got to be frustrating. Because if you're the Steelers, you want a set schedule in front of you. You want to say, okay, we're playing this game. Then we'll have this amount of time to practice. Then we're playing this game. Then you want to know. You want to have certainty in your schedule. You don't want it to go out and just wing every week. Uh, and it's not their fault. If it was their fault, that's one thing. But it's the teams they're playing's fault. It's got to be frustrating. But uh, I think they they know they have a good shot at winning this game. They want this game. It's going to be a really important one. Yeah, That'll and be fun. I, I I just want to clarify because people are are kind of asking like, why does this keep getting pushed back? But then why did the Broncos play? Why did the the Packers and the Forty ers play? Um, that one Thursday, and it is a very fair question. And I've done some research into the respective situations with the Broncos. It wasn't a COVID outbreak. It was a exposure thing it was a contact tracing thing there weren't actually a lot of cases it was just one player tested positive the quarterbacks weren't following protocol and that um you know resulted in you know them all being ineligible and i know Vic Bangio has said you know we can't put ourselves uh in that position so that's why that one didn't get postponed it was it was essentially denver's fault i mean i know they might have not known the exact protocol they might have you know not really thought about it but still and then I think with the San Francisco Green Bay game, to my knowledge, it was mostly in one position group. And even if there's a lot of cases, if the NFL feels like the players and with the cases are already isolated and that there's not a lot of contact tracing and they don't think it's, it's going to spread, they felt it was safe to play the game. But with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, uh, one, it's on both teams. And two, it's like all across the board. Like It's not like just one position group is getting hit hard. Because with San Francisco, with their receiving core got hit hard particularly. I Did they even have a starting receiver in that Thursday night or against Green Bay? I don't think so. But 
my point is is that with the Ravens to this game, it's both teams, multiple position groups, and they still don't feel like they have it contained yet. I think now, finally, as of Tuesday night when we're recording this, they have it, you know, contained, or at least they think they do. I hope they do. But I think that's the difference with why Baltimore and Pittsburgh got delayed so much because it was constantly expanding. They did not get it contained. If the league feels like the ta- the, the um if the league feels like the cases are ex- um you know like not expanding and they are contained, uh that is when they think it's safe to play. Because even if the number looks scary, if they feel those players <laughs> have already been isolated like they did in San Francisco, that's why they played that game. Every situation is different. It's twenty twenty. Pittsburgh fans, Pittsburgh players. I understand your frustration. Um, you know, you want to get this game in. You know, you have so much momentum. I get it. And, you know, only time only time will tell. Uh, you know, I hope they got that game in, and I hope it was played at 340, uh, 3.40, right? That's the time, yeah, 3.40 yeah. Eastern. Um, a.m. or p.m.? Uh, p.m., I hope. Who knows? They might have to push it back to 3.40 a.m., <laughs> you know. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, hope the best for those two teams. Hope they play, and uh, I'll stay safe. Watch the Steelers, at, watch the Steelers lose this game. Uh, <laughs> like, they're talking all this back. Excuse me. They're talking all this smack on Twitter and on their social medias, and then they just go ahead and lose to the Ravens with the best defense in the NFL, one of the one of the best offenses in the NFL. Like honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised because yeah. they're because I think yeah they're taking the cancellation of the game seriously. But are they are they even practicing right now? I would assume so. I haven't looked into that, but I, yeah, I assume they're still practicing. Because I know because I know Pennsylvania just um. They had a, I think they just passed something where it's now all professional sports players while they practice or play, they have to wear like uh those like Oakley masks yeah. on their oh, face really? masks. So yeah, now both teams have to wear their masks while yeah. playing. That's just interesting. We'll get. I'm gonna jump back to this game in a second. But while we're on what states are doing and what cities are doing, uh, San Francisco is forced to go to Arizona to play the rest of their home games. If you didn't know that already, so they'll really? be playing in Glendale because yeah. of stuff going on in Santa Clara. Um, so that's, that's what I, that's happening with the San Francisco 49ers. If you didn't know that, so uh, we'll that's your news. Bills at 49ers at the Cardinal stadium. Welcome to 2020. Yep. I, don't, I bet the bills don't want to go back there anytime soon, but no, I don't, I don't, they, they'll have to though. And I don't, I don't think Kyler Murray will be in the building, so they should be fine. Okay. Uh, but with that being said, let's move on to the actual gameplay of this I game. I really think we should. <laughs> um, and Brandon Sorry. got into a little bit talking about the Steelers, the Ravens, Without Lamar Jackson, I think yeah. that's going to be really big for the team, and this defense is really going to have to step up. Their running backs are banged up, and Lamar Jackson is running. Is not, is not, he's not <laughs> running back. I wasn't trying to say that. Yeah. It's just how it, it came out. Uh, so the running backs are banged or COVID. Uh, Lamar Jackson has COVID. I, I think Ingram and uh, Dobbins are they, be are back. They clear? I think so. I, I don't think know. if they they were the first protocol. ones to get it. Though. Yeah, I think they might be back, depending okay. on if they still test negative and if they follow protocol. I think there's a shot they're back. Okay. I don't know. Thanks for thanks for the information, Ryan. But still, the running game a huge part of this team. If they're not there, it's going to be a lot worse. If they are there, they still don't have Lamar Jackson, who won MVP last year. Uh, so it's going to be tough for this Ravens team. Their defense is really going to have to step up. RG three or the go Trace McSorley? I think it's RG three. It's RG three. Yeah. Although that would have been if RG three plays terrible, do you think Trace McSorley gets in the game? I don't think so. Does McSorley have COVID too? Are there fans there? Okay. Because there are fans there. I'm sure people no, will be singing they're that not dumb fans. Trace McSorley song. They're not I fans. They're TikTokers. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, well, Jordan was talking about the defense has to step up for the Ravens. And if there's any defense that you need to step up, the Ravens are a good candidate to do that. They have a lot of young guys and some veterans on their defense that can get stuff done. And with the RG3, it's going to be interesting to see two similar style quarterbacks, I guess, and what we thought they were both going to be able to do. They're both capable of running the ball. Um, but I just want to see um, the Steelers' um, offense against the Ravens' defense. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm excited for this game. Uh, we're podcast is getting a bit long, so we've talked about uh, <laughs> about the NFL aspect of stuff, but we still get a lot more to go with college football. We're going to talk about the rankings. We're going to talk about some recent news that happened this week in college football. Uh, so that might go a bit long with talking about rankings and stuff. But yep. with that being Usually said, let's does. get into the news of college football. Yeah, so we're going to start with um, probably the biggest news of the week. Um, just a huge moment for um, college football. and It was uh, the first girl to play 
in what was it? In a power in five. A power five conference game. So congratulations to Sarah Fuller. We got some girl power in college football. We saw the kickoff that she had in the game for Vanderbilt. We we hope it was a squib. That's all we're gonna say. No hate to women playing football, but Jesus Christ, we hope yeah, it was a squib. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of people actually being really rude to Sarah yeah. about the kick, which is unfair to her. Well, to be fair, Vanderbilt did lose 43-0. Hey, 41. Don't be 40. too harsh. It was 41, <laughs> and they were playing a great team in Missouri. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. But um, it was, history was made uh, on Saturday was this game, right? Yeah. So, um, to see Sarah Fuller in the game, regardless of the play time she got, was really cool, and it was inspirational to a lot of um, girls, specifically that hope to play football in the future. And she said, hey, guys, it's possible. And I think she'll be playing the next week, too, because yeah, she is. their kicker is still going to be out for one more week. So we get to see more Sarah Fuller, and I hope she gets a chance to kick a field goal. Well, if they could, the field goal, too, right? We'll see. But if they could get into the field goal range against Missouri, will they be able to against that Georgia defense? <laughs> I don't, know. don't count on it. But we'll, we'll, we'll at see. At least we should see a, a yeah, kickoff. Yeah, but the committee is a little too high on Georgia. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah. congratulations to Sarah I don't Sarah think we mentioned how she got there, either. Um, so their their first team kicker uh, went down with COVID stuff, so yeah. they had to bring somebody else in. They found Sarah Fuller, who's actually, I think, the goalie for the soccer team, and they, they tried her out, and um, she did some good things. You guys didn't know that? I knew she was on the soccer team. I knew she was on the soccer team. I thought I saw something. Isn't it strange that you picked the goalie? Yeah, no, I saw a highlight on my Instagram feed. She literally, she goal kick. Right out of the goalie box, just kicks it all the way downfield. Absolutely, and then they scored. And then they scored. Not off yeah. of her kick, but somebody else kicked. She's look. Yeah. She's low key got a cannon, but she didn't. For a leg. Yeah. For a leg, but didn't seem like that in the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, regardless of how they found her, it's it's good that she was there. And like I said, uh, I didn't know about that highlight from the goalie kick, but weird that they picked the, the goalie to try out. There's a lot of girls on that team. But regardless, like I said, Sarah Fuller um, was one they felt was deservingly to play there. Um, she was able to have that nice kick so far. So welcome to college football, Sarah Fuller. We're happy for you. Uh, you're now playing soccer and football in college, so that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and the next, power. next story is one that I know uh, Brandon was Wait, very I, interested. I don't, don't want to stop you. Can we get a girl power on three? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Girl. One, two, three. Girl, girl power. power. <laughs> Okay, uh, so now we're moving into our next topic, and this is one that Brandon uh, was interested in talking about. So Buffalo running back uh, Jarrett Patterson had himself a nice week. Yeah, 1R, 1T in Jarrett. Not just a nice week, a historic week. Uh, I don't have the stats up for that. I do. He had eight touchdowns, that's all I know. Oh, eight, eight, that's great stats. He had eight eight rushing touchdowns, 419 409 yards, and he averaged 11.4 yards per carry. Just a, a, a easy eleven point four yards per carry. Yeah. Tied the tied the FBS record for most tu- for most rushing touchdowns in a single game versus Kent State. And if anyone did, you guys watch the highlights of that game? I don't know. No, <laughs> literally almost. Don't every know what Jared Patterson. I saw the last run. Yeah, every out. single every every single time that they gave him the ball, yeah. the defense just looked like a bunch of warm bodies that were told to <laughs> like go on the. Floor. They looked like the Panthers defense in the Vikings game. Oh well, they looked. The they, they looked like the Bears defense against the. Packers, but Whoa. that's a whole different story. It wasn't that um, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that was a crazy game. You never really see that from a running back, especially in college football. So, yeah. I don't know, it's, good for him. Yeah, good for him. His draft spot. His draft stop. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of. I looked up if he was going to be draft eligible this year, and a uh, good thing he is because he might be making some yeah. money. Good for him. Let's see what he can do throughout the rest of the season. One big week, obviously, a historic week for him, but he's got to continue playing some great football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's really cool to see what he's able to do. He's helping get in, and, getting his yeah, team some he votes. He put himself the on the too. map, and I don't know what year in college he is, but he definitely just put himself is on Dora the map. Is carrying him? Yeah. Talk about the um, map. Oh, oh I get it. it. <laughs> but, uh, congrats. Let's hope that Swiper doesn't come and take his draft yeah. away. And yeah. in college football, <laughs> um, congrats to Sarah Fuller and Jared Patterson. Yep. Um, gotta give my shout-out to Boots as well. I didn't give my shout-out to Boots. Boots, uh, we like oh, you, yeah. man. We, we gotta give a shout-out to Oh, him. yeah. Boots, we love you, man. All right. So lastly, let's talk about the college football top 25 rankings. As we're making this podcast, we saw the rankings and then went straight down to record this. 
So let's get some reactions. Does anyone have it pulled up? I hope. I, I do. Here you go. Yeah. I'm so read, read the first. Or read the top ten, and then we'll react to that. So yeah. starting starting from the top. Okay. So top ten, we got um, some expected, some not expected. We got Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A and M, Florida, Cincinnati. Georgia, Iowa State, and Miami rounding out the top 10, 1 to 10. So, any initial reactions? Um, well, my initial reaction is, well, first of all, the top seven did not change all the way up to Cincinnati. It's the same as last week was. And I know, Ryan, you have your opinions on Ohio State and where yeah. they should be and moving teams up uh, to, to their spot. Um, but I think that with the top seven, I expect it to stay the same. And I do want to ask a question about Alabama here. Yeah. Alabama is really controlling that number one spot right now this year. They're playing really great. So I'm going to throw it out there. Do you think that this team this year, this Alabama, Alabama team this year, is better than the Alabama team last year with Tua? Do you think they're better? Oh, that's, I mean, we year? didn't get to see the full season with Tua, so that's a really tough question. But there, was, I mean, there was questions even when Tua was playing last year. I, I would say this team is better. Matt yeah. Jones has um, put him, uh, himself in the race for the Heisman Trophy, just as Tua did before he was hurt. So that's that's no disrespect to Tua at all, one of the um, greatest quarterbacks to ever go to that school. He brought so much to them. But they just have a better roster built around them, even with uh, losing one of their receivers. It seems like their defense is playing more consistently, and their run game is better. Yeah, you, you look at that team last year, you know, three of their four main receivers from that team a year ago are gone. We've got two of them in the NFL, Ruggs and Judy, and then Jalen Waddles hurt, and they're still putting up these crazy numbers. They got John Mechie this year, um, who has stepped up into a bigger role, playing really well. The tight end Miller Forrestal is doing well. Well, Devonta Smith, of course, but that was the one we knew about. That was the you know the incumbent, I guess you could say, from that last year's team. He already had a big role. He already was a deep threat. The offensive line is good. Um, you know, headlined by Alex Leatherwood, who could very well be a first round pick. Uh, in April, so we'll see that. Obviously, we all know Najee Harris, great power back. So, yeah, this is such a complete team. They're well-coached. I mean, a lot of experience on that coaching staff and on that team. They know how to win. There's that culture there because, you know, when you think of college football, you know, you think of Alabama. You know, it's just like that same kind of, you know, connection with, like, you know, we talk about the NFL, we talk about the Patriots dynasty. Alabama is kind of getting one of their dynasty, you know, going as well because, you know, like last year they have two losses and um, they missed the playoffs. And, like, most teams, like, oh, yeah, that's a good year. You know, still made a bowl game. You know, still had a great record. You know, that's horrible for them. Yeah. Like, that is, like, inexcusable. Like, what was the Citrus Bowl? Like, that's unacceptable that to Auburn? their fans. No, no, no. no they, they lost the Iron Bowl, but then they beat Michigan, and I think it was, it was the Citrus Michigan? Bowl. They, in their bowl game, they beat. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah they're playing at such a great level. The defense has playmakers. Dylan Moses is finally back healthy. The defensive line is good. I know – their defensive backs. Uh, Daniel Wright's playing well. He had a pick six. Jordan Battle is in there as well. So a lot of players, a lot of names uh, that people know, and a lot of names that are going to be playing on Sundays uh, in the next few years for sure. So now that I think about it, I do think this team is better, and I think they're going to make it further because I think they're going to make it to the playoff because even if they lose the SEC championship, I still think you've oh, got to yeah. put them in the playoff. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Because uh, they'll be playing a good team probably in the Gators in that SEC yes. championship team. So. I don't think, unless they really blow it throughout the rest of the regular season, I don't think there's a shot they're going to make the playoffs. They're playing uh, really great right now. And, Ryan, uh, let's just get to it. Uh, you had Ohio State out of the top four, so currently you would have them out of the playoffs. Yes. You didn't have them at five either. You had them at six. Correct. So you moved A&M to five, four to the six, and you had Ohio State at seven. Can you give us your explanation behind that? Obviously, you, uh, it did not happen. Did I say it wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ohio yeah. State uh, at six. Yeah, yeah. A&M, A&M five, four. four to six, four to six. Wait, A&M, was A&M at four, four yeah. to five, and Ohio State six. We Cincinnati got it. was at seven. But anyways, uh, so Ryan, give us your explanation behind why you had Ohio State fall two spots. Yeah, um, I uh, was a little bit surprised that there wasn't anyone in the AP poll that didn't drop Ohio State out and out at all. And I thought there was a good chance that the committee would agree with me, but they didn't. But I, I don't think it's you know like a, a blatant. I don't think it's horrible that Ohio State isn't. Uh, the playoff spot. So there's some things the committee did, which I think are just crazy, but we'll get to that later. I just think you look at Ohio State, like they are such a great team. And I truly think, I think they would beat Texas A&M by two scores, but we have to go on what we've seen, what they put on the field. And that's the key. You say, oh, Texas A&M, they're, they're not, you know, dominated. They're not playing great. Well, at least they're playing. And with Ohio State, I mean, I, ho- I really hope they get their last two games in because I really think that a lot of the 
reason that people wanted the Big Ten to play this year was because they felt Ohio State was one of, if not the best team in the nation. So it's not me doubting Ohio State. It's just what I've seen so far. If Ohio State wins out, win the Big Ten Championship, yes, I'll probably have them ahead of Texas A&M and almost certainly in the playoff. But you look at you look at Texas A&M, that defense is playing great. In their last game against LSU, it was 20 to nothing until the final minute. Um, then they scored a touchdown in garbage time. Before that, they beat South Carolina 48-3, to so 10 points in their last two games. Uh, you know, Kellen Mond is taking care of the football. You know, I mean, I know Jordan's, you know, not a big Kellen Mond fan, but I think he's um, doing enough. They have a great running game in Isaiah Spiller, um, playmakers um, all around. I mean, they kind of remind me, and I said this to, to these guys earlier, they kind of remind me of Georgia last year with that great defense, uh, a solid running game. And, you know, they might not always light up the score, but they play well. They win football games their way. And um, also, when you compare teams, you look at what's their best win. And I believe Texas A&M has a, a more impressive win, with that being over Florida, who I have at number five, just behind Texas A&M. The committee has them at six, but I think that they have a more impressive win. They're playing better defense, tougher schedule. And I know you're thinking, well, they got blown out by Alabama. Yes, they did. But pretty much everyone that's played Alabama has gotten blown out by Alabama. I believe the closest Alabama has been in a game was only winning by 15. So I really think only that only makes... 15. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Only I mean, 15. Yeah. That, that's probably unacceptable for them. Like we were talking about earlier, but Nick I just think... was probably ripping them in the locker room. Yeah. He said he was yelling at the, yelling at the TV during the iron. <laughs> he wasn't there. But uh, no, I think Texas A&M, I think they should be at four this week. Do I think they're the fourth best team in the country? No, but what we've seen on the field, I, I think you got to do it. Cause oh, they've played three more games than Ohio state. They've got a more impressive win. They're playing better defense, tougher schedule, lot to like, and, you know, again, they're not going to always light up the score, but watch the tape on their games, and they actually play well in a lot of it, like Arkansas game. They won 42-31. to 31. Arkansas, Arkansas scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, so the score doesn't always tell the full story. And don't get me wrong, I think Florida's a great team. They're right behind Texas A&M. They just need Texas A&M to slip up once, and Florida will jump ahead of them, because the only reason I think Texas A&M is ahead of Florida is because of that head-to-head. Because if that head-to-head's not there, I think Florida's for sure ahead. And um, what? Oh, and, um, yeah, th- that's why I think so. But the committee did not agree with me. I don't think any of you guys agree with me, but that's okay. I did spend a lot of time deciding, but we'll see. Hopefully, Ohio State can get back on the field. And if, and if they get back on the field, then hopefully good things can happen for them because we want good things to happen on the field. Yeah, Ryan was talk- talking about uh, what teams are putting onto the field. And right now, this is a hot topic about uh, in college football right now. It's with BYU. Currently at what, what are they, 13? They're 13 now. 13 right now. Moving them up one spot from last week where they are at 14. Uh, so a lot of people feel that BYU is getting disrespected. Now, obviously, the knock with BYU is the fact that um, they haven't really played any good opponents, and therefore, you look at their strength of schedule. It's not that good. It's hard to evaluate how good they are. I think the committee has made the statement to us last week, and it was confirmed again this week, that, you know what, if we're going to keep you here. If you don't have a really good win, you're not going to have any shot at making the playoffs. So if you're BYU, you have to be scrambling to find some sort of yes. game. They tried to get Washington to play. There was some stuff that went on there with Washington and uh, BYU where things just didn't work out. Uh, it was not clarified and specifically what happened. So interesting stuff going down with that. But if you're BYU, scramble to find someone. Play Cincinnati. That would be a good game. Yeah. Cincinnati needs opponents to play as well. They need some some wins. That could themselves. put Cincinnati over the Yeah, top, exactly. Maybe. So they need... Some some team to play both BYU and Cincinnati, but a lot of people are, are I should say, the committee, uh, and a lot of people's opinion are disrespecting BYU, especially in a short year like you mentioned, Jordan. Teams like Cincinnati and BYU need good teams to play. They simply don't have it, and the committee is not respecting uh, BYU as much because of it. Cincinnati, they are because Cincinnati was yeah. a pretty good team last year as well. And then their schedule is a little yeah. tougher. Like, yeah. okay, okay, UCF, like, not a great team, but okay, at least it's not North yeah. Alabama. Like, come and on. I, I do have a problem with the committee putting BYU where they are because it's unfair to them, although we've seen this a lot in college football with the rankings. They can't do much about it, and their eye test has not been bad either. They've played bad teams, but for the most part, they've beat teams by a lot of points, and that's what they've needed to do to continue to prove that was the case. They won by seven once, and I believe that was the closest game they had. Otherwise, a lot of them are like 20, 40. That's last year. Oh, but like no, you're 20, right. Your point 30, still stands. 40, I just, don't, I just want to make sure you didn't scroll too so far. I think it's a bit unfair um, for them to be where they are, but I can also understand it because they're unproven yeah. at the teams they played. But if you're going to put Northwestern up there, 
early on before they lost? Why not throw BYU? Well, in Northwestern was playing. They, play they, they, they Northwestern has played Wisconsin and Iowa, two teams that the committee has ranked right now. They had a blowout win over Maryland, which is a Power Five program that's actually decent. They were five and zero all conference. Yes, um, all conference games, all Power Five games, two ranked games. I thought the Northwestern ranking. I, I think I. Agreed I think it made sense. I think it made sense. It, I think I. I think I've. I think lost. I've agreed with them. You know, both times. I mean, uh, I. I think that. At first, I thought the committee was harsh on BYU, but when you look at the schedule, like the eye test is great, but there comes a point where you have to seriously say, like, okay, can't come let on, playing what, what, yeah, like UTSA, yeah, um, like even if you see some decent schools, like it's just North Alabama, it does not add up because Boise even, at least, yeah, but I think Boise State didn't they say they had their third string quarterback in that game or something? Yeah, but they yeah. won by a lot. Yeah, I mean, they're doing what they can control, but that's not always enough, and it's unfortunate. But now at least they put themselves in a position as a program, and you know where people are going to recognize them nationally. We mentioned how Cincinnati had a little bit of an advantage because people knew they were good last year. Um, they were ranked last year, uh, runner-up in their conference last year. So now at least BYU. I don't think the playoffs are realistic. The only remaining opponent they have is San Diego State. So again, nothing that's going to boost your big resume. Power team right there. Yeah, I mean, but like. It's it's not always their fault, but I mean, you know, and COVID probably throwing a wrench in their scheduling plans. But COVID doesn't have favorite teams. COVID has affected everyone, so I think the committee is not really saying, "Oh, well, you know, COVID." Like they're just saying, like, like we get this. We know there's a pandemic going on. That 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 pandemic does not have favorite teams. That pandemic does not belong to a conference. That pandemic is not part of our committee. It's just a universal thing that affects all teams. So well, they sure love the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently the pandemic does love the Steelers, but. Uh, no, it's, it keeps pushing their games back. We already talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we did. It doesn't like the Steelers, but they just don't care. Yeah, I mean, you, you love to see uh, BYU get a chance. and They will. They'll make a, a high-quality bowl game. I mean, for sure. And they'll get matched up against a Power 5 opponent, and, and then we'll see. We'll see when it's too late. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't really have as much a very big problem with where the committee ranked them. It's just what they've put on the field, what we've seen. We could say, oh, I think they'd be competitive. I think they'd you know, beat this team. But... We have to go on what we saw. And, and this schedule, uh, whether it's in their control or not, we just have to look at the facts. And it, it just doesn't, you know, convince me. Even some teams that have two losses, if it's a close loss to a ranked team, I think that outweighs a win over North Alabama or Texas State. Yeah, and Ryan, I'm kind of with you. Right when it started, right when I saw the rankings, I was like, whoa, why is BYU so far down? Uh, but after some time and thinking about it, um, I, I do think it is the right decision because of what Ryan explained so perfectly. So uh, it's tough. But uh, I think it's what has to be done for right now. Okay, so I think that's where we're going to wrap it up yeah. here well, with the podcast. We got over an hour-long podcast, so a strong podcast by us. Yeah. I think we talked about a bunch of good stuff. We got into NFL and college football as usual. Hit on the main stories from both of those uh, football leagues. So I think that's all we're going to have for today. So thank you guys for listening to this podcast, especially if you made it this far. And with that, we will see you guys later. See ya.